Well, good morning. I want to say hello to all of you who are here, those who are watching online by television, those at other campuses. I want to begin by saying happy, happy Mother's Day to all of you who are moms here. We love you and appreciate you. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, we're living in a day of extreme political partisanship. Uh, there's um, uneasy racial tension. There's increasing incivility. Can't even talk nice in public anymore. But you know, I got to thinking as I was thinking about Mother's Day, there is one thing. It's just, it, it, first of all, it's getting harder just to find agreement on anything. It's, it's just harder and harder to find anything that everybody can agree on. I think we would agree on that. But as I was thinking about Mother's Day, I thought, you know, there's one thing I think that we would all agree on. I don't think there's, I think there's one thing I could say that nobody would ever have any objections to, okay? And here it is. Nobody would be here today without their mother. Now, can we agree on that? that, that, that I mean, that's, that's true, right? I mean, we would not be here today without our mother. You know, we know that biologically it takes a male and a female to conceive a child, but after that, it's all up to mom, right? After that, she has to do all of the work. And so, you know, we, she is the delivery system, think about it, for everybody that comes into this world. Now, I've always believed, and I believe it from what I read in my Bible, that God has a special place in his heart for mothers. He loves dads, but I think he has a very special place in his heart for mothers. And the reason for that is, think about it. He could have dropped the Son of God into planet Earth in a parachute. He could have brought him down in a cloud. He didn't do that. Even the very Son of God came to, us, came to the world the same way we come into the world through the womb of a mother. As a matter of fact, that's one thing we all have in common with Jesus. He came into this world through a mother's womb. We came into the world through a mother's womb. Now, personally, I believe that God brings life into the womb and mothers bring life into the world. Now, nobody can disagree with the second statement. That's a biological fact. However, it is the first part of that statement that increasingly people disagree with. And it really has everything to do with the message that we're going to be talking about today. And it has everything to do with what I'm going to say. Because when I say that I believe that God is the one that brings life into the womb, that opens up kind of a can of worms. We're in a series, if you're a guest of ours today or just tuning in for the first time, we are in a series we're calling The Elephant in the Room. And we've been talking about topics that people generally don't like to talk about. They're reluctant to talk about. It makes people uncomfortable. They just rather not discuss it. As a matter of fact, and I'm not saying this to be critical of anybody, just telling you the truth, the topic that we're going to talk about today is a topic that increasingly more and more pastors will tell you, I don't talk about that topic. We don't touch that topic. I am never, because it's a no-win situation, it's kind of an electric fence, and I personally know pastors right here in this city, and they're unashamed, and they'll tell you, we don't discuss this topic in our church. As a matter of fact, there was a well-known radio host who used to be here in Atlanta. I won't name who he is. I didn't care for him. But one of the reasons I didn't care for him was he would talk to you about anything you wanted to talk about if you called in. But if you mentioned one word, he'd cut you off. He'd hang up on you. would say, we don't talk about that topic on my show. And, of course, that topic that's so hot to touch is the topic of abortion. And increasingly, pastors are saying, nope, that elephant's too big for this room. That elephant's too big for my ministry. And more and more people are saying, I'm just not going to discuss it. Now, here's what I'd like to ask you to do. 
If you're watching right now online, don't turn me off. If you're watching on the TV, don't change the channel. If you're listening to me right now and you're a woman, here's what I'm asking you to do. Before you tune me out and turn me off, just hear the next 60 seconds. I don't want you to sit there and go, well, you're a male, what do you know? Or you're coming from a Christian perspective, which I am. Or these are just your own personal beliefs, which they will be. But I want you to listen for just one minute. And then you can decide whether or not you want to get on your iPhone and play or text or tell people what a mean man I am, okay? This is not going to be your typical message on abortion. I'm not up here, I'm not going to bash abortion. I'm not gonna put you on a guilt trip if you've either had an abortion or you're thinking about having an abortion or if you're quote unquote pro-choice, that is not where I'm going. I'm not, that's not my approach at all. Matter of fact, I wanna take a totally different approach. Here's what I'm going to do. I simply wanna share with you what God's word says about life and then let you make up your own mind. This is a totally positive message. What does God say about life, about all of life? And then you make up your own mind, okay? So that's fair. So I just, you know, you can put your defenses down. You can already get your, you know, I'm thinking about, here's how I'm gonna argue what he's gonna say. No, there's not gonna be any argument, debate, discussion. I'm not going to take, this is not a negative message. This is not a beat you down kind of a message. It is a totally positive message. But it all begins with a very legitimate question that deserves a very legitimate answer, whether you are pro-life or you are pro-choice, doesn't matter. Whether you believe a woman ought to have the right to have an abortion or you don't, doesn't matter. Either way, this isn't a question that deserves an answer, and here's the question. To what or to whom do we owe our existence? To what or to whom do we owe our existence? Now, let me tell you why that is a very valid question. Because the way you answer that question will determine the value that you put on all human life, whether it's unborn or born, whether it's in the womb or out of the womb. How you answer that question will determine the value that you put on life. Let me give you an example. At the University of Washington, there is a psychology professor. His name is David Barash, and he teaches a class on animal behavior. Every year, he starts off with 200 undergraduate freshmen in this class, and every year he begins, this is the very first thing that comes out of his mouth in this class to his students. He said, the more we know of evolution, the more unavoidable is the conclusion that living things, including human beings, that's us, are produced by a natural, totally amoral process with no indication of a benevolent, controlling creator. Now, if that's your view of how we got here, okay, if that's your view of how you got here, if that's your view of human life, then quite frankly, if that's your view of the value of life, then honestly, your view will be totally different from people who do not hold that view. I'm one that doesn't hold that view, but I will tell you why it's a very convenient view. Because if you hold that view, then that kind of makes belief in abortion and the right to abortion, it makes it more acceptable to your thinking and it makes it more acceptable to our morality. But again, I'm not going to focus on abortion per per se in this message. I want to deal with the issue of life. This is a totally pro-life message. It's not anti-anything. Let me tell you what I mean. Even when I say pro-life, we're in such a politically charged atmosphere today that even when I mention the phrase pro-life, you automatically think about two things right off the bat. You think about abortion and you think about politics. 
And this message is not going to really deal with either one. I'm, I'm really not going to mention the A word probably again for the rest of this message. If I do, it'll be very incidental. And I don't even want you to think about politics right now. It has nothing to do with talk, politics. When I'm talking about pro-life, when I mention the phrase pro-life, here's what I mean. I'm not thinking about a political stance. I'm not even thinking about a moral stance. Here's what I mean by pro-life. I mean being pro-life the way God is pro-life. That's what I mean. Being pro-life the way God is pro-life. Now, before you kind of say, wait a minute, what do you mean God is pro-life? All I'm gonna do is this. I'm gonna show you two of the most incredible passages of scripture you will ever read if you ever read your Bible. In fact, I'm gonna promise you something. Most of you have probably have read one of these. Most of you probably have never read the other one. But I wanna show you two very short, incredible passages of scripture that, that will tell you just how pro-life God really is. As a matter of fact, let me, let, kind of, let, me, let me kind of put this in your thinking as we get into this message. The fact that you're listening to me right now tells me that God is pro-life about your life. The fact that you're even here tells me that God is pro-life about you and pro-life about your life. Now, why do I say that? I know that because of something that God said on two occasions, one to a prophet and one to a king, all right? First of all, we're gonna look at what he said to the prophet. His name is Jeremiah. And if you would like to look on with me, we're gonna be in Jeremiah chapter one. Don't be afraid, it's not a hard book to find. It's in the Old Testament. If you just start, go to Genesis and just start going east, okay, on, on, on I-85 truth, all right? So if you just kind of get on that street, you're gonna pass Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Solomon's Song, Isaiah, and then you're gonna come to Jeremiah. I want you to look in Jeremiah chapter one. Now, let me tell you what's going on. Jeremiah is having a dialogue with God. God is talking to Jeremiah, and Jeremiah's kind of listening. They're having this dialogue. And God says something to Jeremiah about his life and about his very existence that totally astounded him. Now, when you read this, it's a very short sentence. It's a very simple sentence. It's not really a profound, it's not one of these, you know, uh, Mount Sinai, Ten Commandment moments. It's just kind of a simple sentence. And yet, there is enough truth in this sentence to fill up the entire universe. Now, listen to what God says to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. I want you to listen carefully to every word. Because let me just stop. What he said to Jeremiah He's actually saying about us. What was true about Jeremiah is true about us. Now watch what he says. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, can I be honest? If you believe anything about the Bible and if you believe that one statement is true, that's a drop the mic. That can walk off the stage, bye-bye. Before. I formed you in the womb. I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Now, in that one verse and one other short passage we're going to look at, I'm going to share with you three powerful truths, not only why this professor is dead wrong, but I want to show you why this elephant in the room is not just a matter of life and death. It's better than that. It's a matter of life and life. Because here's what we're going to find out from God's Word today about every one of us who are listening to me right now and everyone who ever has been born or ever will be born. You ready? Truth number one, God personally creates us. God personally creates us. Now, God says something to Jeremiah that 
it just, I'm telling you, every time I read it, I'm going, this just, this is amazing. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now, I want you to focus in on that word formed. Very interesting word. Do you know what that word formed literally means in the Hebrew language? It means to weave. It means to knit together. Some of you moms out there, you, you know, maybe you knitted a little blanket for that baby that was, that was coming, that your very first child. Or, or maybe your mother for her grandchild knitted a little blanket or knitted those first little booties or that first socks. That is exactly the word that, 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 that is used here. It means to weave a blanket. It means to put together like you put the pieces of a puzzle together. Now, what God is talking about, he's talking about the moment of conception. He's talking about the whole birth process and how the birth process takes place. Now, for a fuller description of what he was talking about, I want to turn now from a prophet, I want to turn to a king, because there was a king named David, and he kind of fleshed out what God meant when he saw, said these words to Jeremiah. So in, in Psalm verse, uh, chapter 139, Psalm 139, I want you to listen to what David wrote about what Jeremiah just said. He said, he's talking to God, he said, for you, God, you created my inmost being. You Say that word with me. You knit me. Same word, by the way, same exact word. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I was evolved from the apes. No, no. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Now, that little phrase, as I said, knit me together, is the same word for the word form that's used by the prophet Jeremiah. But then David goes on down and gets a little deeper and he says this in verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Now, we know biologically, if you remember your biology, okay, when, when, when the egg of a mother meets the sperm of the father and those two things come together, there is a, there's a, an anatomical term, there's a biological term for what is found in, in that womb. It begins with the letter E. Somebody tell me, what is that? It's an embryo, right? We know that. That's what, that's what we call it. It is an embryo. Guess what? The Hebrew word for unformed body is the only use of the Hebrew word for embryo anywhere you find in the Bible. So what David is talking about here, he's talking about at the very moment of conception. I mean, the moment the, that the egg meets the, meets the sperm and the moment those come together, he's talking about the very beginning of conception. Now, back in verse 13, you remember he said, you, he, said he talked about the, the inmost being. You created my inmost being. You know what that word literally means in the Hebrew language? This is kind of funny. It literally says my kidneys. He said, he said, you formed my kidneys. Now, why in the world would David refer to it that way? Why would David say, God, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You made my kidneys. Well, the term kidneys was used to refer to the entire complex of organs that make up the inside of the human body. So in other words, what David was saying was, Right down to the DNA strips of our humanity, God, you put me together. You knit me together. It was you, God, that built this incredible machinery called the human body. And from its very beginning, 
you put all these pieces together so they work the way they do in such a magnificent fashion. So let's go back. At the moment of conception, this newly fertilized egg of an embryo, we now know, contains a staggering amount of genetic information sufficient enough to control your growth and your development for the rest of your life. It's called DNA. Guess what? From the time you're conceived, a single thread of an embryo's DNA, you ready for this? One single thread, one single thread of DNA from one human cell in that embryo contains enough information equivalent, listen to this, to a library of a thousand volumes. You could put all of the information, it would take 600,000 printed pages with 500 words on every page to contain all the information that's found in one strand of DNA in one little embryo. So in other words, at conception, that little embryo has the equivalent of 50 times the amount of information found in the entire Encyclopedia Britannica. Just at the conception. But at conception, God's not finished. God's just getting started. The knitting now begins because the entire birth process is mind boggling. And don't take my word for it. A few years ago, Alexander Tesiris, a mathematician at Yale University, he gave a TED presentation. If you know what the TED Talks are, he gave a TED presentation on the birth process. He showed never before seen videos and photos of the stages of development of the unborn child. I want to show you, we kind of condensed it for you. This is what he, sh he showed his audience in this little TED video. Watch this. Now, this professor of math 
at Yale University was so blown away, not just by what he showed, but by what he saw, here's how he concluded his talk. The complexity of these things, the mathematical model of how these things are indeed done is beyond human comprehension. Even though I'm a mathematician, I look at this with a marvel of how did, all, how did these instruction sets build that which is us? Now watch what he said. It is a mystery. It is magic. It is divinity. What he said was, <laughs> only God could do that. Only God could do that. He said it's almost impossible not to see divine design behind the birth process. And a lot of people, I don't know why, they, 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 they refuse to see it. It's the elephant in the room. A little girl took a human anatomy test and she failed it. And when you read the answer she gave to the test, you'll know why she failed it. Here's what she wrote. The human body is composed of three parts, the brainium, the borax, and the abominable cavity. The brainium contains the brain, the borax contains the lungs, the liver, and living things, and the abominable cavity contains the bowels of which there are five, A-E-I-O-U. Now, there are just some people, I, I don't know why, but they just refuse to see that God is the divine gynecologist who designs life before the doctor delivers life. That's why David goes on to say in verse 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. We are indeed fearfully and wonderfully made. Mom and dads know that. Grandparents know that. Yes, we all have biological parents. I get that. But the truth of the matter is, God fashions us himself. God knits us together. God begins life in the womb. And God puts that together. So the next time your little child, and they're going to ask you this question, right? You know what it's going to be. Mom, Dad, where do little babies come from? You remember how that used to just, oh. No, real easy. They come from God. It's an easy answer. They come from God. That's not only good theology, that is good science. But now listen, the thing we need to know all about ourselves is this, God personally creates us. But the narrative doesn't end there because there's a second truth we learn in that one little simple statement from Jeremiah. Not only does God personally create us, but God powerfully claims us. Now, go back to Jeremiah. I want you to go back to what God said, and I want to show you something. I, this is what I love. You know what, what excites me the most about preaching is when I get to share with you things I've never seen before. And, and, you know, every time I preach, I hope you hear something or see something or learn something, and you leave here going, I never thought about that. I've never seen that. I've never heard that. What really gets me pumped is when that happens to me, and it happens all the time. Well, I've read this passage hundreds of times, but I saw something I had never seen before myself. And it's one of the greatest testaments to the value and the importance of every life from conception that you will ever see. Now listen again to what he says. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Now the word, by the way, the word for know is not the word that just means to recognize or to be familiar with. It actually refers to the way that a husband and a wife come to know each other on their honeymoon. It can be translated love. It's talking about the most powerful, intimate form of love. Now, for sure the Bible teaches that God loves us, but, but go back to the first part of that verse. Here's what he said to Jeremiah, really. He said, Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I 
loved you. Before I formed you, I loved you. Now, do you get what I'm saying? Do you get what he just said to Jeremiah? Jeremiah, I didn't just love you when you were born. Jeremiah, I didn't just love you when you were conceived. He said, Jeremiah, I knew you and I loved you before you were even conceived. Jeremiah, I loved you before your mama knew your dad. I loved you before your dad knew your mom. In other words, he said, birth is not our beginning. Conception is not even our real beginning. God says, I knew you, I loved you before your parents even met. Before your parents conceived you, God conceived of you. Think about that. I was born 64 years ago. Yet the Bible says, God is saying, James, in eternity past, before I even put a star in the sky, before I even hung a moon in place, before I even put a planet in orbit, I knew you and I loved you. Now you talk about something that'll put chill bumps on anybody. God conceived of us before we were even conceived. In other words, I, got, I hate to break this to your mom and dad, you were not their idea, you were God's idea. God thought about you long before they thought about you. God loved you long before they ever loved you. You know, somebody will say about a friend, you know, we've all said this, right? Man, I've known him since he was a kid. I've known him since he was a baby. You know what God says about us? Ha, I knew him before he's even born. I knew him before he's even conceived. I knew him and I loved him. Now, there's a great principle to learn here. You ready? And it has great implications for this elephant in the room. If what God says is true, now listen, if you don't write anything else down in your notes, if you don't remember anything else I say, remember the next three words, okay? Here we go. Love precedes life. Love precedes life. So let me just say something. This issue that we're talking about is deeper than a pro-life issue. This is a pro-love issue. This has nothing, this is greater than just life. This really is all about love. Because God says, I loved you before you even had life and it's why you have life and it's why I gave you life. That's why the mad, this matter of unborn children is more than just being pro-life, it is being pro-love. God loved us before we were conceived. God chose us long before we chose him. And matter of fact, God chose us even if we choose not to choose him. So personally, if what I just told you is true, unless God just told a blatant lie to Jeremiah and all this is just made up, I, I just don't know how you can draw any other conclusion from what I just read than this conclusion. Every life is precious to God, born, unborn, conceived or not yet conceived. Doesn't matter. The stage of life is irrelevant. The point of life is irrelevant. God's every life is precious to God, born, unborn, conceived, or not yet conceived. However, our life takes on even more value from conception because not only did God conceive of us before we were conceived, listen, he goes further. He says, I claimed you before you were even conceived because listen to the next part of this verse. He says, before you were born, I set you apart. So he says, you know what? Before you were even conceived, I knew you and I loved you. But by the way, after you were conceived, the moment you were conceived, I put a claim on you. Now, 
What did God set Jeremiah apart for? The same thing he set all of us apart for. He's got a plan for your life and my life. He's got a purpose for your life and my life. No, you're not just an evolutionary accident that just happened to be here. You're here by divine appointment. You're here for a reason. You're here for a purpose. Life is not a random existence coming from nothing and heading to nothing. Life is not about luck. It's not about the lottery. It is about the Lord. And so again, we go back and we listen to what David said because you know what? David totally agrees. Go back to Psalm 139. He said, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Listen to what David is saying. David's saying, look, from the first day that you drew your first breath to the last day that you draw your last breath, every breath is to be breathed doing one thing, fulfilling the plan and the purpose of God for your life. That's why you're never to get through, you're, not, you're never to be quit living until God says he's finished with you. And God, only God knows when that is because whenever God conceives us in the womb, it's not the end, it is just the beginning. He's not finished with us, he's just getting started. So here's what I want you to understand. Whether you realize this or not, you're all living in the middle of a story that God has written. You're all an actor in a play and God has already written the script. You've got a divine role in life that God wants you to play. You know what I'm doing right now? This is the role God created for me. So whatever you do right now, it is the role that, we're gonna talk about this in a moment, it is the role that God created for you. And the point that I'm making is, even before you were born, even before you came out of your mother's womb, God staked his claim on you. God planted his flag on you. God says, I want your life to belong to me because I personally created you. I powerfully claim you. Then it goes deeper than that. Not only does God personally create us, not only does God powerfully claim us, I set you apart. Watch this. God purposely calls us. Now what, this this is so good. Listen to the last half of the verse. He says, look, he says, before you were born, I set you apart to do what? I appointed you as a prophet to the nation. Now you think about this. Go back to the moment that you were born. Go back to your birthday, very first. I mean, when you came out of your mother's womb, just think about it. Whether you realize it or not, the moment you came out of the womb and the doctor had to patch you to get that first breath going and, and you know you were put on your mama's breast, at that exact moment, you didn't know it, but you know what God said? I created you, I'm claiming you, and I've got a call for you. I've got something that I want you to do. You're here for a purpose. You know, that shouldn't surprise us, right? I mean, certain days have been set apart for certain times of the year. So spring, right, has been set apart for Easter. December has been set apart for Christmas. November has been set apart for Thanksgiving. Well, likewise, we've all been set apart. Well, again, set apart for what? We've been set apart for God's call on our life. See, here's what I want you to understand. We've all been called to two things, not just salvation, We've been called to vocation. He didn't just save Jeremiah. He called Jeremiah. He said, Jeremiah, I got a work for you to do. Jeremiah, I've got a mission for you to accomplish. Jeremiah, I've got a purpose for you to fulfill. By the way, do you know what that word vocation means? The the word vocation, it's not just work. It comes from a Latin word that means to call. Now, this is gonna sound a little bit arrogant. Just hang with me. I can tell every one of you, listen to me right now, who have a job, what your job ought to be. 
I could tell every one of you exactly what you ought to be doing for a living. I don't care where you went to college. I don't care what you majored in. I don't care what you always wanted to do. I can tell you right now what you ought to be doing for a living. You ready? You should be fulfilling God's call on your life. That's exactly what you ought to be doing. Fulfilling God's call on your life. By the way, do you know what God has called a lot of you women to do? To be mothers. Motherhood is a calling. And God has an appointment for every person to keep from the time that they are even conceived. So guess what? God appoints pastors. I know you believe that, but I got news for you. God appoints lawyers. And God appoints doctors. And God appoints school teachers. And God appoints ditch diggers. And God appoints truck drivers. And, and, and God appoints psychologists. And, 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 and God appoints construct, uh, 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 builders. God, God appoints everybody. Because frankly, it's difficult, if not impossible, to hear what you've just heard and read for yourself and what you read, unless you don't believe it. It's just, if, I'm not gonna say it's impossible, but I wanna tell you, it's extremely difficult to hear what I've just told you and to read what we've just read for yourself without believing that God is pro-life and God is pro-life because God is pro-love. See, here's what I want you to hear. This is such, this is why I'm so excited about this message. I, 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 there was a couple of people kind of figuring out what I was gonna be talking about today. And they said, man, it's gonna be a tough message for you. I said, not really. Because it's not a negative message. It's totally positive. God is for life and against death. God is for love and against hate. God is for heaven and against hell. And from the first child that was ever born into this world to the last child that will ever be born into this world, we are all fearfully and wonderfully made. It doesn't matter how much you weigh. It doesn't matter how tall or short you are. It doesn't matter what color your skin is. It doesn't matter what your physical appearance is. It doesn't matter whether you're athletic or not. Those things are all irrelevant. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. God personally creates us. God powerfully claims us. I have set you apart. God purposely calls us. I read the other day about a little girl. She went to visit her grandparents for Christmas and she loved to sit in her granddaddy's lap. And so one night before bedtime, she just started staring right into her, into her grandfather's face. And, you know, she was looking at his balding head and his wrinkled face. And she finally just blurted out. She said, Grandpa, she said, did, did God make you? And he said, well, I, I'm afraid he did. And she said, no, 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 really, Grandpa, did God really make you? And he said, well, yeah, he, he really did. And she said, well, did he make me too? And he smiled real big. He said, he sure did. She thought for a moment. She said, you know what, Grandpa? He said, what's that? He said, he's doing a lot better job now than he used to. <laughs> now, God, God has created all of us. And God looks at you and God looks at me. And you know what God says? <laughs> I'm just a great God. I do such a great job. Look at who is here. I just have to say this. You know, one of the proudest things I've done in my ministry ever is 32 years ago when I came to my former church, we were approached by some people who wanted to uh, start what's now known as the Pregnancy Resource Center here in Gwinnett County. 
And, and our church was the leading church. Our church stepped in and we helped make that happen. happen. And for years, our church here has hosted a banquet to raise money to support this wonderful work. And I don't know if I've ever been more proud of anything than a, an award that we were just given a couple of weeks ago uh, to show our support. It's this one. It's the PRC of Gwinnett 2016 Spiritual Partner Award awarded to our church. And, and it, we, 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 they, they said, you have been the number one spiritual partner in this county to help us in, in, in this whole issue of pro-life. Let me tell you what happened. Because of the money that we raised, we were able to buy ultrasounds machines for women to see what's in their womb. Because studies have indicated that a mother who actually sees the child she carries in her womb, if they'll just look at, 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 at a picture, it lessens the likelihood of her aborting that baby by 60%. You know why that's true? Because that ultrasound machine is the modern equivalent of Jeremiah 1.5. It is the modern equivalent of Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. God loved you before you were conceived. God loved you before you were born. God loves you after you're born, and God will love you after you die. Now, let me just say this. We're going to wrap this up. And this is something you can't help when you're dealing with an elephant in the room. So maybe someone out there is living with regret and remorse because of a decision you made in the past, and you wish you could take it back. And I'm not an idiot, I'm not stupid. I, I, I realize that for some of you, this was a very difficult message to listen to. I realize for some of you, this was a white knuckler. I realize for some of you, it was all you, it could take, it was all you had in you not to tune me out, turn me off, change the channel, turn, change the channel, turn off the computer. I, I, so let me just say this. I wanna thank you first of all for listening. Here's what I want you to hear, hear me clearly. Abortion is not the unpardonable sin. It's not. It's not an unforgivable sin. Because when you come to the cross of Jesus Christ, here's the only thing you'll find when you come to the cross. You'll find grace. You'll find mercy. You'll find love. You'll find forgiveness. And you'll find peace. All I want you to do is simply this. Just take to heart what we've just shared in God's word. And if you're objective, if you're truly objective, I just personally believe you can really only come to one conclusion about this issue. So I want you to do this for me, okay? Just put your pens down, pads down, close your Bibles. Everybody look up here just a minute. And, 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 and if I'm talking to some of you and you've been kind of battling anger or you're really upset because even, even as I try to do this positively, let me just leave you with this story, okay? And then we're going to be done. One of my favorite magazines is Reader's Digest. I love it. It's just packed full of just great stuff. And I like Reader's Digest. And I was reading and writing Reader's Digest. A uh, true story about a, a young woman. Her name was Katusa. Katusa, this happened back in the 1950s. She was living in New York City. And she let an 11-year-old neighbor boy and his 3-year-old brother Joey touch her stomach. She had a baby. She was, she was, she was pregnant. And her unborn baby was at that kicking stage, right? And so she allowed this, this 11-year-old boy and his little three-year-old brother, Joey, to put her, their hands on her stomach and feel the baby kicking. Well, 35 years later, Joey, the little three-year-old boy, was dying, but his life was saved by this skilled, dedicated surgeon. 
Well, after recognizing the, the, the um, doctor's last name, Joey's older brother put the pieces together, let out a gasp, and said this. Only then did the realization hit me. The unborn baby who had kicked inside Catoosa all those years before on Irving Street had grown up to be the doctor who saved my brother's life. I read that story, and I couldn't help but think to myself, <laughs> 2,000 years ago, another little baby boy was conceived, and another mother had a baby. That baby was conceived by the Holy Spirit of God. And that little baby came into this world to save every baby who would ever be born. So think about it this way. Jesus is so pro-life. He was willing to give his life that we might have life. Jesus is so pro-life that he was willing to give his life that we might have life. You see, his death proves that every life is valuable from the womb to the tomb. We do live in a great country. A great country where I believe every person conceived has the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Not because of the government, but because of the God who created us. And the God who says to us, from the womb to the tomb, I create you, I claim you, and I call you, and I love you. Let's pray together.